Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all it's being. I am your host, Evan Greenberg. For today's episode, we have two guests. The first one, my main guest, my co-host, you know him as the King of Jordan, Sammy Alshawoke. Sammy, how are you? Doing well. How you doing? I'm doing well. Our second guest, another college reunion of sports for us, he was my first college roommate. He is a triathlon extraordinaire. He was the original Stretch 5. Hailing all the way from the lift for your die state, Pat McDeed. How are you today, Pat? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, you're the second Pat that we've had on our podcast. First one, first time you're coming on. We'll hope to have you on a few times more. Think you could bring some hot takes to the show that we've been lacking. Oh, hope hope to bring some. And I will be a number one Pat, despite being a second in the order. Well, we'll, we'll see about that. But I want to ask you, as a long-time triathlete we both kind of got into the same time now you're far and away better than i could ever imagine to be out of the three factors of triathlons which one's your favorite run bike or swim i would have to say the swim Uh, for a lot of people that's what they're most afraid of they're a lot of people get into triathlon they don't know how to swim or don't have a very strong swim background so learning as an adult is is really tough but i was fortunate enough to have grown up around the water, grew up on the swim team. Uh, so I've kind of come back into into the sport of swimming as I got into triathlon the past couple of years. And it's it's a lot of fun and a nice early morning open water swim. It's just it's super peaceful and relaxing. For sure. I'm not as much in the open water swimming. I also did for a whole one year in high school, not on the, quite in the level you seem to be, but it's a work in progress. We're getting there brick by brick, as you like to say. Yeah, I peaked at about the age of 12, so I'm just trying to get back to some of those swimming speeds. Uh, it's definitely a lot easier when you're younger, Yeah, it's a work in progress. I feel the same thing with running, too. Back in seventh grade, my mile time was much faster than my mile time would be right now. Yeah, now we have the old uh, creaky knees and hips, so uh, we don't quite recover like we did when we were in our, in our peak fitness in middle school. No, my recovery, my process of recovery daily is infinitely longer than it used to be. <laughs> Let's move on. We have you on to discuss the Los Angeles Chargers and their draft. But before we get into it, I want to ask you what your grading criteria was for your picks. Uh, so uh, what you didn't mention in the intro is uh, I'm a numbers guy. So I had a very scientific process, which consisted of exclusively Google searches and looking up all the top draft resources, and then looking up some clips of some of the breakdowns from the folks of Stephen A., Colin Cowherd, and the likes, and going by everything they did not, uh, going against what they said, because they don't know what they're talking about. So that was kind of my process, and we'll we'll see if you agree or disagree when we get to the grades. I mean, it sounds like you're going to be at 100% hit rate just doing that. It's new. And what what how are you grading the players? Are you doing letters, numbers, something else? Uh, well, I kind of went to a, a non-traditional high school. We don't really believe in uh, the traditional grading system. So it's kind of more combacy-based uh, narrative grades. So we'll, we'll see where they, they fall on a continuum, really. Okay, I'm glad. You're finally our first guest that has done something different. Sammy's a grader. I do a more objective check system. Whether You get a check if it hits a need. And then you get a plus if the value based on pre-draft projections, based on a bunch of all our pre-draft stuff, which was a composite of a bunch of different experts. So you get a plus for good value, a minus for 
poor value and a zero kind of for the middle, you can get one of six grades. Okay, I like that system. Makes sense. Thank you. Let's get on to the Chargers pre-draft needs. This is similarly a review from our pre-draft discussion of the Chargers. I had quarterback, wide receiver, right tackle, linebacker, and cornerback. Sammy, I'll start with you. Do you have similar, different? Pretty much the same. And Pat? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious need for them is is quarterback. Rolling into the season with Tyrod Taylor or, you know, further down the line, even if they're looking to develop someone, that's just that's just not going to work. Uh, looking to move on from Phillip Rivers. They have a pretty solid team all the way around. It's a really good defense. They've got some good weapons on offense. Uh, losing Melvin Gordon, they could probably use a running back, someone with a little more size to complement Austin Eckler. Anything on defense is probably kind of a, a big body up front. A run stuffer would have been good. Okay, yeah. Running back, I was pretty just big on not including for the most part, unless they were desperate. And considering how much they paid Austin Eckler, I just kind of stayed away from that. Although they probably do need a change of pace back from him since he has not been a high usage guy in his entire NFL career and is more of a pass catcher than a between the tackles guy. And I think in terms of running backs in general, it's not something that you need to waste a high draft pick on. Uh, a lot of these guys you see can, I mean, obviously you have some elite level running backs uh, like, you know, your Ezekiel Elliott's that are, have been worth the high draft pick, but you, you can kind of plug and play with a lot of these guys. I mean, Eckler is case in point. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll just get into their first pick. Addressing that main need, as you mentioned, quarterback with the sixth overall pick, they took Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon. Pat, I'll start with you. What was your grade and thoughts for this pick? Um, so like we said, it, it was their most glaring need. You know, you're drafting a number six. Uh, the clear-cut number one is already off the board. Tua went just before. A lot of the discussion before the draft was between kind of Herbert and Tua, who was who was the one uh, who was the two and three there. I think they had to go quarterback there and and pick the pick who is available. I don't know if he's going to start this year or if he's more of a developmental project. But yeah, I think that was it's where you got to go. You got to take that next guy, throw the dart while it's there. They're probably not bad enough to be in uh the sweepstakes for trevor lawrence next year they got a pretty good team so you know i think this was a pretty good pick sammy i gave it a a c plus just due to they hit their they technically hit their need of drafting a quarterback but i felt that they probably should have made an attempt to trade up for tua and if they don't end up getting taking tua which ended up happening to draft best available in with the sixth overall pick i don't think they should have drafted a quarterback with this pick since both Burrow and Tua were gone. And as you mentioned that he's going to probably be a developmental guy is there are a lot of mental negatives to him in terms of like he stares down his receivers and he just doesn't progress as much. His footwork is decent shown in the bowl game against Wisconsin, but it's not, it's not much to really be positive about. Sorry, Evan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what game. I don't know what you're talking about. That game never happened. I mean, he can have good upside, and like Pat mentioned, is if he's a good in his good system. I see him as we've mentioned him in the past. He could be like their version of Goff, where they can, if he fits in the right system, he'll play well. But I think it's a C plus. I'm very conflicted on the pick because Sammy and I talked about Herbert pre-draft and how I, neither of us were really a fan of him. 
he was pretty much expected to go there once we knew the Dolphins would take Tua. There was the possibility of trading up and trying to get one of the better quarterbacks because we both considered, and Pat, I'm sure you felt similarly, that Tua and Burrow were just on a different class compared to the rest of the quarterbacks that were drafted afterwards. Uh, I, 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 Burrow for sure. I, I don't know about Tua. I, I think oh. there, there's room for debate between uh, Tua and Herbert, but I think the three of them are far and away better than any of the rest. I, I don't think Jordan Love deserves to be in that conversation. Certainly not Jalen Hurts or any of these other guys that somehow skyrocketed in the in the draft process. Yeah, I think there was a clear top three and then a huge fall off there. Yeah, I don't under. I mean, Sammy and I are were two in Burrow clearly above everyone else. We had a debate on Herbert versus Love. I went with Herbert. Sammy, I think you went with Love. I actually went with Love. Yeah, okay. it's not that. Like, I understand the upside with Herbert and completely understand the fact that he went here. Probably the best move would have been trying to trade out and accumulate more assets, considering they only had well, part of that was trading up for their next pick, but they only had six picks in the draft and trying to recoup a little extra value. Hitting a position need makes sense, but as Pat mentioned, they're not bad enough, and they're not in a rebuilding or tanking position where waiting another year on a quarterback would have made sense. All you're doing is delaying what you have. Your players are going to probably come a year older, a year more expensive, more likely, and then it just gets harder to really succeed, which they're they're just really in a difficult predicament, considering that two years ago they were a 12-4 and team, looked really good, and then last year just kind of fell off a lot and then got rid of their longtime quarterback without any sort of true backup plan besides Tyra Taylor being a placeholder strong backup. I gave this pick a check because of where he was projected to go around here and they had a need. I don't really like the pick too much, but I totally understand where it's coming from. And I Herbert's agility, his ability to run, he really just showed that in the Wisconsin game. Other than that, he did not have that mobility. So the people that like to talk that up are basing on a one-game sample. I think there he can be a solid quarterback in a couple years. He reminds me of Josh Allen in a way that accuracy was certainly an issue for him, but he's also the big guy who can he can hit a guy 55 yards down the field, but he might not miss the guy on a screen pass. And the Chargers at least do have a solid amount of talent around him with Eckler, Keenan Allen, that can catch the ball from him. We'll see. I He'll probably come in earlier than he should, and maybe by year two or three, just that experience helps him develop. Year one, I'm not a fan of him, but they probably wouldn't be bad enough anyway, as Pat mentioned, to get either Trevor Lawrence or even Justin Fields, who's likely the second-best quarterback next year coming out. Yeah, I know we're still talking draft here, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them make another another move at that position this offseason. I mean, Cam Newton's still floating out there. I feel like he would be a perfect stopgap quarterback. I feel like Tyrod Taylor is kind of a poor man's Cam Newton at this point, but they seem to be pretty firm in that, that they want to go with Taylor over Newton, but that's something to watch kind of as we get closer to training camps and preseason starting where some of these other uh, kind of career backups end up. I would just be curious because Taylor's, I don't see him being a third string guy, and unless they're that low on Herbert that they don't see him playing at any point this year, which like I said, I do not believe. I think either early on or some point during the year, they will start turning their heads and being like, oh, this guy's looking great in practice. He's had two really good weeks. Maybe we should give him a go once they start three and three, even though two of those losses will be on missed field goals. <laughs> There's just having Newton, Taylor, and Herbert in one quarterback room just seems kind of crowded. And I would be 
it'd be very confusing if Newton was a starter on that team. I understand why if they didn't get Herbert, why Newton would make sense, but just the three of them seems like a lot. That's fair. That's fair. Their next pick will move on to their 23rd overall pick in the first round as well. They took Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Sammy, I'll start with you on this one. What was your thoughts and grades for this pick? I'm conflicted between a B and a B- minus on this pick. I Kenneth Murray was probably our number one linebacker going into the draft with, with Patrick Queen as well. And he was he is in need, so he at least hits that mark. But I don't know how I feel about the value of what they gave up to trade up for him. They gave up a second and third rounder in a pretty deep draft this year. I feel like that value that they lost in trading up for him might hurt them in the long run because there was some good talent in the second round and third round still available for them to have drafted. Murray, there's not much more to say about him other than he's just a high-flying, just hard-hitting linebacker and your typical big guy in the middle of the field. And any team that drafted him would would start him day one. Most Most teams, at least. Not that... Can think of any teams that don't have a linebacker who have a linebacker problem, but him himself, he's a great player. I just don't know about if they really should have lost those two picks for him. Pat, you agree, disagree? Yeah, I'm also a bit conflicted on this one. First reason is this was a Patriots spot, and this was a player that I had targeted as a Patriots fan of someone I wanted to see them draft. I think he is he's a dynamite player. If anything, he's a little bit undersized for your typical kind of run stuffing inside linebacker, but just a real great athlete, strong athlete, and is was seems like one of the top linebackers in this class. So definitely a great player, a great pick, uh, but they did give up a lot. I think that the second and third rounders um, was was a lot to give up for this for this pick, but. You know, if you're targeting a player, the opportunity comes up to pick him. He fits a need. You you go get the guy, and I think that's what they did. So, I mean, overall, I think it was probably one of the better picks in the draft based off of the player they got at the position of need, and he seemed to fall a little bit further than I think most had expected. So, from that point, good value, but just what they had to give up to move up to get him was maybe a bit much. Mm-hmm. These two first two picks are very conflicting of each other because we see Herbert as more of a developmental future guy, but trading up and giving up the extra draft capital for Kenneth Murray, who's going to probably be your day one inside linebacker. He was my number one linebacker in the non-Isaiah Simmons division, at least on the interior. And it's just one pick. The first one makes you say, oh, they're kind of waiting a year or two. But the Murray pick and giving up second and third rounders says our team's good enough this year. And I don't really know which one they're in. They're kind of putting themselves in no man's land. I love Murray. I think he's going to be their solid linebacker for the next 10 years. You have him and Derwin James now running that center of the field. That defense is just going to be a nightmare for a lot of offenses. They still had plenty of other holes that they probably could have hit. One of their other needs that we had was wide receiver and being such a deep class, you could have gotten one in the second or third round that would have probably become your easily number three receiver. Maybe even your number two, depending on how you feel about Mike Williams and how the Chargers feel about Mike Williams. I I like the pick. I gave it a check because I didn't necessarily value in the trade. But in terms of we had him 
probably around here, maybe a bit earlier. Between that 21 to 25 range is where I expected Murray to go, as long as Queen wasn't taken before him, and considering he wasn't. And it hits a need. Yeah, it could have been better in terms of they probably should have just laid back and went for the developmental aspect, or even hoped he maybe fell a little bit later. Just the trade up to this spot seemed a bit questionable. Yeah, and especially in a deep draft where there were some still solid linebackers in the second round, like Jordan Brooks, or was he available at that time? Yeah, he was in the second round. Who, Jordan Brooks? He went first round. To the was he first round? Overall. Yeah, although I didn't, we didn't have him even near the first round. That Seattle, that pick was just on its own world. I'm not going to get into it now here. Just that a second and third rounder, given what who we're going to be talking about next... I feel like they could have had better options than than trading them away for Murray. Yeah, well, you're only left now. They only have four picks. One fourth, one fifth, one sixth, one seventh. And moving on to their fourth round pick, they took running back Josh Kelly, 112th overall. He was out of UCLA. I gave this pick a zero because I didn't have running back as need. I guess Pat would have it a little higher considering he felt that they should have taken a running back. Although his skill set isn't necessarily in that Melvin Gordon hard rusher up the middle mold. He is similar. He's a smaller back as well. Not quite as good of a pass catcher as Eckler, but that's probably his main skill set as well. Felt a little redundant for me. I don't love the pick. He was projected around this late third, fourth round. Probably would have been better on some other teams than the Chargers. But they felt, I guess, that he was too good to pass up here. It's just a zero for me. I don't love the pick. I think they could have done a lot better just going other probably positions instead of taking a redundant running back. Yeah. I mean, even though I had his position, need, I, I think a good player, a good compliment to Eckler, but just a bad, a bad value. I, I, I don't think they needed to pick him at this position, at this spot in the draft in particular, there's a lot of other value left on the board. And, you know, even though I like the player and I like the need they're trying to fill, it just, it, it didn't make sense at this point in the draft. And I'm just not sure, is he going to be, is he better than Justin Jackson? Because I would probably at this point still consider Justin Jackson a better running back. And then what do you, he's, he, best he's a backup and at worst he's a third stringer who's barely seeing playing time without any injuries. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops through, through training camp and the preseason and maybe the early weeks. But I definitely think that that's kind of the, a matchup to watch because I'm I'm really not sure where Justin Jackson fits in uh, into the mix here now. I mean, technically, wouldn't Kelly be the technically the biggest back between the three of them? That's not saying much though. Not <laughs> That's the problem. Big guys. <laughs> He's definitely the most physical. I, I don't know about. Not looking at their size right in front of me right now, but he's uh he's five eleven two nineteen. He's a little bit. Of, he's not a big guy, but he's I guess yeah bigger he's than Eckler. Bigger than the other two. Yeah, but that's not saying much. I, yeah, it's just you, now you don't have. You're just kind of doing three similar. I mean, J- Jackson's more of a runner, although Eckler's obviously has a great ability as a runner. Although I would say that it's more his ability as a receiver out of the backfield that opens up the passing lanes because teams see him in and just expect it to be a throw and it's a one one of the running backs where running the ball is actually a surprise <laughs> he's more of an i see him just yeah he's more of an athlete an all-around guy so although maybe he is bigger it's not like you're gonna use him as a between the tackles red zone guy i think he could be that player for them but i, I guess time will tell it, it's so tough just looking at you know highlights of these 
these guys in college and it's just a completely different jump to the pro level just the pure the size and the speed and the strength of you know some of the defensive linemen and linebackers they'll be going up against I mean, for me, it's they still haven't addressed the tackle position at this point. We mentioned the offensive line, mostly tackle, and they're spending it on a third running back on the team, and they traded away two p- two picks to draft uh, a linebacker, who we, we say he's the top linebacker, but they haven't addressed that line, and if that line doesn't improve, it doesn't matter who you have at running back. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, the truth of the matter is they don't address it at all. We have three more picks to go, and spoiler for those who are using this several weeks later to figure out who the Chargers drafted, they did not take an offensive lineman with any of their picks. Their fifth-round pick, 151st overall, they took Joe Reed, wide receiver out of Virginia. Pat, I'll start with you. What was your thoughts and grades on this pick? Yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be one of the deepest wide receiver classes, and they definitely put that to the test by waiting to the fifth round to, to cash in on that. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I hadn't really watched a ton of Virginia football, but you know, he looks like he could be a, a good complement to what they have between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They're pretty. They got they got a pretty good receiving corpse between those two and Hunter Henry, and then Eckler coming out of the backfield. That you know, this could be a, a pretty good number three guy with some speed and kind of let him run and and make some plays uh, with his feet. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He didn't really be, get on the scene as a top receiver for Virginia until his senior season, but he provided a lot on kickoff returns, had a couple touchdowns in his sophomore, junior, and senior year from that position. He's a pretty fast guy. He's not super fast. He ran a sub 4-5-40, unofficially. So good athlete. I guess him and Kelly, you're getting that versatility with good athletes there. And with someone like Herbert, I think those guys will be better fits. Although with Reed, I don't. I guess you're really just that, just expecting that Williams and Allen at least this year are gonna hold you down for a while, and then you also have Hunter Henry as your solid tight end. You have enough pass catchers. Reed's probably a developmental guy, but he could. I guess he could be a third receiver for them. Sammy, what what do you think? Yeah, I actually gave it a a B pick due to I think he'd be a nice deep threat as a third receiver on the team. And his returning ability is, I believe, not that we've ever mentioned special teams much as a need, but I believe the Chargers had some problems just returning kicks overall last season. And he can just be the guy to come in and fill in that third third receiver spot. And I believe he's never dropped a pass that has gone at least 20 yards in the air, which that can be, that can be nice to have on the team. And you, I, I read recently about him that they might use him more in schemes as like an Eckler role and possibly have him as like another running back in or jet sweeps, things like that. So the athleticism is there and it seems like they plan on using him early on in the season. You know, at this point, we're, we're in the fifth round of the draft, so you're not going to get a player that's going to be a, a home run. <laughs> or have no weaknesses, there's there's going to be some holes in all these guys' games. So you're looking for someone who, you know, is either just a really good route runner, maybe isn't quite there strength-wise or athletically, maybe he's a little undersized. In Reed's case, he he seems to be a, a bit of a burner and can kind of make some guys miss. So you're really, you're really picking that athleticism and hoping you can develop him into more of kind of a especially player that, that has some potential. Yeah, I gave the 
pick a check. He'll likely just start off as a special teams guy as rookie year. I don't see him making too much of an impact as a wide receiver. Maybe they do some gadgety stuff for him. I'm a little more skeptical. I think that's just draft talk where they like to hype up all their picks. I don't see them doing too much. Just when we're considering that the likelihood of having either a limited offseason or no offseason, basically no offseason at all, that they're not going to be able to just scheme him in as a rookie. It seems unlikely that early on he's going to be doing much besides potentially 10 snaps a game on offense and then contributing some on special teams. But it is hitting a need, and maybe he can become a valuable player down the line. Their next pick, sixth round, 186 overall. They took Alohi Gilman, safety out of Notre Dame. I gave this a zero. They didn't really have safety. I didn't think that was one of their needs at all. He's, I don't have too much on Gilman, honestly. He had pretty decent numbers at Notre Dame, but nothing spectacular in his time there. None of his... I mean, it's a late-round guy. None of his strengths, are, as Pat was kind of saying, are going to really blow you off the charts. He's not the fastest. He has some decent range and coverage, though, and I guess that's where you're kind of hoping. But they're just hoping that they just have a lot of speed and coverage ability. We'll see. I probably won't be a day-one starter or even a year-one starter, given it a zero. Pat, what about you? Yeah, and again, like I said, it's we're getting pretty deep into the draft here, so you know these aren't going to be perfect players. Didn't seem like a need to me. He seems to be more of a depth guy, maybe a special teamer. Maybe further down the line, he develops into a little bit more of a role player. But from what it looks like, he's a pretty high character guy and someone you want to have in your locker room. So at this point in the draft, that's that's always a plus to, <laughs> to have. You don't want to be taking risks on not only talent, but character. Yeah, I I don't love the pick. They, they, they still have, like you said, needs on both the offensive and defensive line that you would have liked to at least use some draft capital on, even though we're getting late into the draft here. Or even cornerback. They just, safety wasn't a position. Cornerback they could have hit if they wanted to address the secondary. And and I would argue that he's not even a safety. He's kind of the, that hybrid type player, more of a coverage linebacker. But yeah, I don't know. This was a bit puzzling. Yeah, the thing for me is I like I gave him I gave this pick a D plus due to they didn't need a safety and he was more of a coverage linebacker than as a safety as Pat mentioned. But also Prince Tega Wanogo tackle was still available at this time. And they went with a knee a pick that wasn't one of their needs when someone who could possibly bring day one value in the sixth round and they overlooked him. And it's just a it's just a bad pick. I'm it's a D plus for me. And it's funny you mentioned that. Although yes, they should have addressed him there. Their final pick was a guy who we had rated much higher than, and fell all the way down to the seventh round, and they managed to scoop him up, which was KJ Hill, wide receiver at Ohio State, getting taken two hundred twentieth overall. Pat, you want to go first on this pick? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see him fall this far. I mean, first of all, I mean, he's an in Ohio State project product, so. There's a lot of name recognition there. Most people are going to see, at least the casual fans, are going to know the name or have maybe seen an Ohio State game. You would think that even people who aren't the serious draft nerds might have had this guy on their boards. Overall, I think it's a good pick and another person that you could maybe slot in there as that third wide receiver on the depth chart or you know uh, push push Reed for that spot. And you know, at this point in the draft, why not take another flyer? Good good value pick and. You know, I think it definitely fits uh, fits need. 
Yeah, I guess what happened with him was that his combine numbers, he ran a 4.640, which is slower than a lot of people expected from him because he was a kind of do-it-all gadget guy. Kind of in the way that Sammy mentioned that they might consider Joe Reed. KJ Hill really had that role as an Ohio State guy and would probably be easier to acclimate and just throw into that role immediately. We had him probably as a late third, early fourth round grade, which is why I was so shocked that he fell all the way to the seventh round. He probably, I would see him as a better pick than Reed at this point. And I gave the pick a check plus. I thought the value is great. He's probably the wide receiver that you're going to be looking at making a greater impact his rookie year over Reed. Yeah, I gave this pick a, a an A minus, mostly for his value in that we mentioned that he would be a late third rounder. And if we want to look at comparing him and Reed, Reed, it will probably only benefit you in the deep threat. Hill will just get you anything up until then. You'll be able to fit in nicely in the slot, get some quick catches, some short yards, thing catches like that. But you're not going to get much speed out of him, given from his combine. But that's not a problem. They have they have already um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as well to cover for that. So. This is probably their best pick value-wise in the draft. I don't know. He's also one of those guys that his combine time doesn't seem indicative of the way he played on the field. There's some guys that are the opposite, but he reminds me almost of last year, Devin Singletary, where he ran, I think, a 4.6840, and everyone was super disappointed, but he ran so much faster in college. And then as soon as he showed up in Buffalo, he showed the speed on the field. Some guys just aren't able to replicate that with wearing shorts, I guess, compared to their counterpart. I would expect on the field, they will use him as a more slot interior guy, can move him all around, and probably shorter. Where Reed's going to get you on the deep balls, as you mentioned, KJ Hill's going to be a yards after the catch guy, which in that way can complement each other well. I wouldn't expect that maybe one of them will be a wide receiver of the future. And like I said, I think Hill's more likely to be that guy. Yeah, and I think where he suffers in kind of maybe that straight line speed that you would see from a 40 time is, yeah, he's a, he's known as a crisp route runner, and that's where he can create his separation. And I think that's that's a it's a really good skill to have, and it's it's rare. It, that's, you know, it takes some natural ability and, and a good understanding of an offense. It's a very heady skill, not just straight athleticism. They have two absolute burners on the outside, great deep threats. They already have a great tight end. I think this is just a, a slot receiver is kind of, you know, what they need to further bolster that offense. That's a great, could be a great offense. If, <laughs> if they uh, give whoever ends up winning that starting quarterback job uh, enough time there. So we'll see if that offensive line can get thrown together. It certainly didn't come to the draft. And you can no, tell how much we really like him considering how much time we spent on a, on a seventh rounder. It's just one of those few guys that really just fell a lot further than we expected. We've talked about it that unless we if we talked about you previously, that's the only reason you're going to get too much talk here. And he was. So let's wrap this up. We've, as Sammy mentioned, we spent a lot of time on that pick. Pat, I'll let you start first with your final thoughts and final grade for the Chargers overall draft. Man, it's tough. I mean, I, I like some of the picks individually. I think they did a good job getting some players need some with some higher upside, but I think they there's some some glaring holes there that still need to be addressed. I think overall they're they're a pretty good team. 
I think their record last year didn't quite reflect that. They had some really <laughs> close losses there. <laughs> Maybe they should have been looking in the kicker pool. <laughs> I, I I think this was a pretty good draft for them overall. I, I'm more optimistic than you two are that Herbert's going to pan out. It might not be this year, but I think down the line he's going to be a pretty good player. So I think this was this was a decent draft overall. Sammy? I am on the opposite of Pat. <laughs> I am not a fan of this draft. Most of the picks, I felt that there was better value available, and especially in a position of need. They didn't address the offensive or defensive line at all. And you're going to have a hard time getting Herbert accustomed, acclimated, whatever it is, getting used to the NFL when his tackles are just going to let him get lit lit up most of the time, which they just fail to address at all. And I don't know what their plan is. I don't know if they're going to be looking at maybe trading or trying to sign someone that could fill those spots. Overall, I give it a C plus. There was just, I like Kenneth Murray as a pick. I didn't like what they gave up for him. I like I think that them going with Herbert might be the right move in the, for the future, but I think they could have done more, possibly traded down a little bit, knowing that the next few teams ahead of them probably weren't going to be looking at quarterback. I, I'm going to stick with a C plus for them. I'm sure they'll be fine next season, and I'm sure Tyrod is the perfect bridge quarterback to have on your team, but there's just so much talent missed out on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised them you know being big in the undrafted free agent pool and uh, some of the camp casualties to kind of add some just just some bodies to both the offensive and defensive line seeing as they didn't really address some of those needs kind of in the draft here you know it's it's a long off season we're still we're still a while away from from training camp and it'll really take some of those those early training camp weeks and into the preseason to see how things really shake out and see if they uh, kind of hit their mark here for sure. And I wanted to just kind of mention, Sammy said that a lot of the picks after seven probably wouldn't have taken quarterback. The Jaguars were potentially, I mean, all they have is just Gardner Minshew and nothing else. They could have maybe taken the quarterback if Herbert had fallen to them. I'm not sure. There was no real talk about it, but that was because no one expected him to get to them. I similarly give the greatest C plus, although my C plus and Sammy C pluses are a little different for me. A C plus is better than a C plus for Sammy. I because I would typically just give lower grades in general. Their direction overall seemed kind of confusing in that some of the guys are more developmental. Like I would say Herbert was probably a developmental guy, but then a Kenneth Murray guy is going to be a day one guy right away. They didn't do anything too special. They hit needs on four of their six picks. I like the Murray pick more than the Herbert pick, even though they get the second and third round pick for him. The KJ Hill pick probably saved them from being a C or C minus. That was the, by far their just best on value pick. It was the only one that I thought they got any real considerable value for. If they had been able to do some more moving around in the draft, despite one trade up, they probably would have been happier with what they did. If Herbert pans out, he's really obviously as a top 10 quarterback, he's going to be your biggest question mark one way or another. I'm not even going to, my grade is not even whether I'm skeptical or bullish on him. It's just the overall direction and a lot of their picks like Kelly and Gilman were not really anything special. And Reed was not the greatest either. So you hit on maybe three of your six picks that would probably put you in a B-ish range. But since I'm not sure all three of them will hit, I'm putting them in that C plus. 
I mean, if you hit on the quarterback, it's an A plus. That's that's the hardest position, and that's that's the key of your franchise. So, I, well, I, hit is I'm relative. Hit if he becomes a top ten quarterback, absolutely. If he becomes a top twenty quarterback, is that considered still a hit? That he's not a total. He's not a like a Christian Ponder, or Bling Gabbert, but he's better. <laughs> like, is Josh Allen considered a draft hit? Someone just because I compared those two. Is Allen um, where he is considerably a hit? I think he. It's still a bit too early for him, but I think things look pretty promising. I think you you saw some improvement with Josh Allen from year one to year two, and it looks like that he could be a, a decent. I'd say maybe top half of the league NFL quarterback. Is he top ten? Probably not, but I, I would be pretty happy if I was the Chargers and I ended up with a Josh Allen type. Or someone, someone with th- that type of potential to to be kind of mid tier, potentially top third. Okay, I guess yeah, that's really where it lines up with. Well, if you're if the Chargers are comfortable with a top fifteen quarterback as their ceiling, that's then I guess they have an opportunity to be in a good position. I don't think he's going to be a huge flame out kind of bus guy, although there is certainly that potential. But the way that NFL quarterbacks are just teams are able to groom them in a way that they weren't able to earlier in the 2010s where so many quarterbacks flamed out because their college schemes didn't line with the NFL schemes. Now teams are more willing and able to give the quarterback and surround them with the scheme and the players that'll fit them better. So Herbert does have the potential to succeed down the line. It's just, I, as a year one guy, I expect a lot of growing pains. And I think in general, it's, you know, even some of the younger quarterbacks we're seeing uh, have huge success here. A lot of them didn't start year one or start right off the bat in year one. They took some time to to groom. And I think, you know, that that would definitely benefit Herbert. And when he's ready, he's going to be going into an offense with a fair amount of weapons. That's definitely going to benefit him. That is true. Anything else from Sammy you want to add or anything from Pat either? Nothing from me. I uh, pretty much said my disappointments already. I think we've spent a fair amount of time dissecting a team with zero fan base. Pat <laughs> 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 uh, sent me during the draft when, when they had their first round pick and the screen behind Goodell had the, it was supposed to have 12 fans and they only had eight of them filled. <laughs> I was dying. That was, that was a great, I was so happy when you sent me that. And that's why I gave you this team. I figured no one could handle a team better with eight fans than you could. You know, you're not even going to be able to tell when the NFL starts back up with uh, no fans in the stadium because the Chargers wouldn't even fill the stadium anyway. So it's, it's going to be business. They're, they're better off because now they're just 50-50 in terms of fans for them, fans against them with a 0-0 compared to usually that they have 70 to 80% of the fans rooting against them. <laughs> They're the, they're the biggest winners of a potential no fan season. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap this up. Pat, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again later on. Great, thanks for having me. It's fun. Sammy, thanks for coming on as always. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Firmly Grasp It wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter for updates on our daily releases and some other things at Grasp It 2020. You can send us an email at graspit2020 at gmail.com for any questions or concerns. Feel free to continue to tell your friends about us. We're just going through team by team. Plenty more teams left. Your team will come up, I promise. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.